jeez. What time is it? Uh, eight thirty. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, it's not like insanely early, but it's definitely it's early for this night owl. Especially because I stayed up late playing Mass Effect. <laughs> I, I was in McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning. I was like, what? I was about to get in an argument with someone. What happened? There was a queue. They, you know, they have those screen systems. Mm-hmm. They only put one of six on. I don't know why. And everyone was queuing for it. This fucking guy just decides to cut in. And I tried telling him like four fucking times. He didn't listen. He went to go use the machine. I was like, listen, the queue's back there, mate. Well, thanks for telling me. I was like, I did try telling you four times, but you were too busy talking to her. And he made a right face. Macaulay was going to like fucking, like, get him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, how, how much bolder are you about starting shit with people because you have Macaulay with you at all the time? Oh, when Macaulay's with me, 100%, yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, 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 what, you want to start a fight? What's up? <laughs> get him, Macaulay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't punch fucking anyone. <laughs> I don't even think Macaulay would have to throw a punch. They're like six feet tall. Like <laughs> <laughs> Just push. Done. Somebody that tall, like, unless they're like a like a absolute string bean, that's one of those things where it's like, ah. People that tall are usually pretty strong, like, because you got to carry a lot of fucking, you know, like, your body weighs a lot, like, just from your bones and shit so it's like you you develop that like base level of strength you know of like also the wind up is usually because they got long arms it's like nah man like (laughs) yeah macaulay's arm span you know like the two meter distance you're meant to do it's like that yeah Yeah. it's like you can just walk around like this and be like get away from me social distancing (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> oh my god, my glasses are fogging up. Mine too. I'm so fucking sweaty. <laughs> Whatever. All right, let's go. <laughs> you guys are probably fucked up. I know. It's so funny. I don't know why. It's not even like my air conditioning's on sixty eight. Like it's why it's so hot in here. <laughs> Oh my god, whatever. At least it's warm outside for my beach day. It's the first time I've tried to go to the beach in, I kid you not, Steve, literally probably three years where I've made plans to go to the beach and it didn't rain. Like, that happened to me one year. I I think it was when we were doing the show. I I feel like it was like 2019 even. Where like I took off three separate days to go to the beach and it rained every time. I was like, son of a bitch. It's basically living in England. We usually just go anyway. Which, I mean, I respect, but, like, I'm going for the sun. I want to go sleep in the sun. That's, like, the whole point. I go red. (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) I'm an indoors boy. (laughs) All right, ready? Yeah. What's 
up, Internet? You're tuned into episode 125 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Peter Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. I've got used car salesman energy this morning, Steve. I can tell. Yeah. It's that beach trip that you're ready to go for. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of things. A lot of things are going my way this week, Steve. I've got Monday off from work. Mass Effect is here. I am going to the beach later for the first time in like three years. Uh, I mentioned to Steve off mic. I've been trying to go to the beach. I like the beach, but uh, I've had a nasty pattern of every time I try to take a beach day, it rains. Today, bright and sunny so far. I've pr- already probably cursed myself, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully I get a little bit of sun today. Uh, so I'm vibing. I hope you're vibing, Steve. I think we got a good uh, week ahead of us. We're going to talk about my first impressions of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. We're going to talk about the new Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance game coming to Xbox Game Pass. We're going to talk about the rumors around the next Donkey Kong game. Uh, some more news about E3 2021. And even some news from the PlayStation side of things. And then we're going to get into our main topic, where we're going to talk about the week that Ubisoft's had, and if they are truly abandoning first player, or I'm sorry, single player AAA games for free to play games. So hell of a week, hell of a week, Steve. So we're just going to hop right into it. All right. Uh, no, sorry, I have to do the plugs, even though I want to just hop right into it. This is the podcast. If you've never been here before, we are LootPots.com's weekly gaming podcast that you can get every Monday when it posts on Monday mornings, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to write into the show, just like some of the fine folks in our MailPot segment did for this week, you can, of course, hit us up on our Discord, where we've got an always-growing community of potsheads just like you, who are there talking about video games, helping each other find PlayStation 5s. I'm not going to call them next-gen consoles anymore. Uh, and uh, all kinds of good stuff. So great way to come and uh, chat with us, get to know other people in the community. You can also write into me at Pete at Lupots.com or hit us up over on social media at Lupots, wherever your social media is sold. Last but not least, if you want to show your support for the show, you can, of course, like, share, subscribe, you know, all that stuff. Um, but if you want to go above and beyond, head over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lupots for, for just a buck. You can get access to our patron exclusive show after dark, which I'm going to be honest with you. We recorded before our stream on Thursday. I don't remember what we talked about. Oh, but yeah, there's some points in there that I would change 100% from from what I said. About what? What was the thing? We <laughs> spoke about re- the, the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Oh, yeah. And well, I, I just want to come out on mic here and say I wholeheartedly support Palestine. And yeah. I think what's happening by the Israeli government is terrible. Yeah, Uh I think what we had said, we were kind of dancing around it because neither of us knew much about what was happening. Um, so we didn't want to speak out of turn. Uh, I know I made that mistake during COVID. Um, so <laughs> uh, happy to, uh, to on the main show, clarify our position. Yes, absolutely. Um, what's going on there is a human rights violation. So um, if you don't agree with that, uh, well, if you want to have a dialogue about it, we could try to convince you. Otherwise, bye. Anyway, uh, let's talk about video games. Uh, because that's what we're here to do. Um, so I would love to kick things off by what we're playing this week and should we get should about. we get through mine? Because I've got questions about Mass Effect. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll go through yours and then we can dig in mm. on Mass Effect because obviously that's kind of the the headline this week. I think. Um, okay, so I know uh, you had been tweeting about a new elusive target on Hitman Three. How how's your Hitman 3 experience going at this point? I'm assuming you've beaten the game at this point. 
Yeah, I beat the, I beat the yeah. game uh, a while ago, but you go back and you redo the missions and every mission is different. You go for your high scores and stuff, right? You can, but they also have these what are called escalations where they add different things into the game. So it might be like you can't you take on a different um, outfit whatsoever. You have to use the same outfit and things like that. Uh, or the target changes. This latest... Oh, allu- really? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. cool. So that, it modifies really cool. it all the time. I like that. And with yeah, the I'm DLC sorry. content, the season pass, they're doing seasons. So each season, things change and all the missions. They add new escalations for each map. So are escalations timed like the elusive targets? Because the elusive targets only happen once, right? That's No, no. so the, the escalations There's are so always many- there. There's so many words. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I. I. feel like I have a rough idea of what the content offerings are of Hitman, but I don't. I think I have all the names crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. An, es- an escalation is you go into the the like map selection screen. Essentially, you select what you want to do, and you can then choose the standard core mission that you was the original one from the story, and then you can. Um, choose escalations if you've completed that initial story and there's certain levels of escalation so that might be like level one escalation you have to kill them in a specific way so like you have to poison them then the next one might be like you have to kill them um by wearing this specific outfit so you have to find that outfit and then kill them in that specific way or some of them are just really weird around halloween last year they added a bunch to hitman 2 where you wore this pumpkin head and you have to go and kill a bunch of people it was so bizarre um and they just have fun with them which is great but the latest elusive target was really fun um you didn't know who she was. So she, she, they showed you a picture of her. And usually when you're in the, the game, you can hold down the right bumper and it shows you where they are. It's like they glow in red. So you always know where they are. This one, she was another assassin from um, a competing organization and you were trying to find her. You just have to wander around until you recognized her from the photo. And oh. then it would, and then it would say, that's her. Uh, and then you had to try and kill her. And she was always in public. She was always in a crowd. It was really difficult, but it was really fun. I ended up um, pretending to be a waiter, poisoning a glass of wine. She wanted a specific bottle of wine. I had to go find, bring her back. She like got sick and then ran to the toilet. And then, you, I you know, really you, gotta... you drown her in her own sick. It's great. <laughs> I really got to play these games. They sound they're like they're really, really fun. They would be such so up my alley. We should probably stream some at some point. Um, so yeah, you can get yeah. For what they're like. I said that a while ago. I would love to just watch you like screw around with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a good uh, a good elevator pitch for me. Um, oh, hi Hugo, my cat's down here for you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, so then you also have uh, Tomb Raider. I'm assuming the newer ones. Yeah, so I picked up. Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, which I think was originally an Xbox 360 game. It was, yeah. It kind of looks like it, and there's a few glitches in it. When you close the game and open it again, like you put your console in suspend mode, the sound just completely cuts out and you can't hear it anymore. Uh, Which is kind of a shame, but if you, you know, you can work around it, you close it. I got this for £3, so I was like, yeah, I'll give it a a try. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really, really fun game so far. I mean, there's a few design mechanics I don't like. I, I've realized over my 
gaming life, I despise quick time events in cutscenes. I absolutely hate them. I always reach for my phone when there's a cutscene. I see it as like I could put the controller down. That's a, that's a you problem. I know it's a me problem. Like I put the controller down. Like it's not in my hand anymore. I'm waiting for this cutscene to end, and then all of a sudden it flashes up. Like press Y, and I'm like, shit! I don't have the controller in my hand, and I die, and I have to then watch the cutscene again in order to do it. So I know that's my fault, but I just <laughs> I've realized I don't like quick time events. It's it's funny. They're very divisive. Um, I I don't. I don't really feel that strongly about them either way. Uh, I, they only really bother me when it is like, a, like it's a lot, you know. Like it, if it's mm-hmm. like one or two, you know, uh, like they, God they of War style thing, in this where game. it's like, because I'm thinking, I'm thinking at least the most recent God of War had these, but maybe I'm thinking of like the old old ones. But it would be the kind of thing where it's like, oh, all right, you're in this big fight, and it's like. Now there's a quick time event, and that's either the very end of the fight or it starts the next stage of the fight, and it's like, all right, that's fine. Like that's I, fine, but this is like practically every cutscene, and like that's uh, well, annoying. Like, the like stupid shake stick thing to get an enemy off you, and then it's like yeah. slam on the X button, and there's no accessibility option to turn any of those things off, which sucks because I I know in um, The Last of Us, if you couldn't do it. You could press and hold the button if it was like one of those slam down the I think, X. I think they invented or invented. I think they started doing that with Uncharted. I remember that was the first game mm-hmm. I ever saw that in. Um, I think it was Uncharted, either the collection or four, where it was just like, ah, you can just hold X if you don't want to rapidly tap. And I hate doing that, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I always I find always it annoying. Me you too. Know? And I, I, I feel like the the next games are gonna take this like format of the game and probably take it a lot further it feels like quite a small map at the moment but i'm having a good time with it um i kind of get the feeling it's going to be a little metroidvania style where i have to fast travel to different areas because i've just got another tool it's like an ice pick so i can like climb up mountains yeah i remember stuff which i didn't have before so i do kind of feel like i'm gonna have to jump from place to place a little bit like jedi fallen order as well where you can go back and there's there's been things i've seen and i'm like how do i get up there I have no idea how I go and get that little bit of, um, you know, scavenger material. Uh, and I have no idea how to get it. And I'm guessing I'll be able to get it later in the game once I've got some more tools. I wish I hadn't burned out on that game. <clears throat> I played it on 360 back in the day and, and I, I enjoyed it. But um, I don't know. I don't remember if like another game caught my attention or whatever and pulled me off of it. But I, I it was one of those games where like I was enjoying it, but I put it down and then I never thought about really going back you know because i was like oh this yeah, is good that's fair i mean it, i i also have an issue with how they've portrayed lara as a character from previous games into this one and like how far she can jump the jump is inconsistent like sometimes she can jump like a fucking mile she's got like a hulk jump she just goes for it. <laughs> and sometimes it's like the most pathetic little jump and she she won't grab onto something and obviously it's because you can't go that way but it's just really irritating that you have no idea where you can go where you can jump and where you can and they've like portrayed her as someone who's just really weak and feeble when it doesn't match up with what she can do that like she's amazing with a bow and arrow she's amazing with a gun and it's like it doesn't really fit her, yeah. her like personality in this game. And I hope in the future games they, they change that. And I'm sure they will because obviously she'll have gone through this experience and she'll have yeah. that under her belt. Yeah, that was a criticism I remember that game coming 
up with at the time that like some of even some of like the way like the the way that they talked about designing her and everything like felt a little bit like um i mean some people even accused it of being like a little bit sexist um because i remember them being like oh we really want players to feel like they want to like protect laura and it's like do you feel that way about commander Shepard or whoever right like no like you feel like a badass because you are a badass right um why is that different because she's a woman uh, yeah, every five minutes she'll see someone and she'll be like, "Oh my god, thank god!" And it's usually a guy that she's that she's like found. And there's like a lot of scenes of her being like pinned up against walls mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And and it's like you know, um, your mileage may vary on how you take that, but like I think at the the very least, uh, I remember relating to that that frustration that you're expressing, where it's like. I I vibe with the idea of being like, oh, like la- this is like before this Lara couldn't fight, right? Like she was like a, a normal person and you know, it's like a far cry situation where like you're in this, you know, situation and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you figure it out, you get it together, and then you emerge from this uh this conflict, this, you know, this this life or death experience as the Tomb Raider, right? As this amazing mm-hmm. adventurer. Um that's fine. But, like, to have all of these scenes and moments that make a point of, like, what a weak, frail little girl she is, but then also she's, like, can just fucking murk people with this bow and arrow and stuff. It's, like, it's the kind of thing where it's, like, maybe you should have been, like, oh, yeah, well, good thing I was an archer. Like, I, you know, I, at my, my private prep school that I went yeah, away to exactly. for years, like, I was a star archer, so, like, it makes sense that I know how to use this, but, like, you can't shoot a gun at the beginning, right? And then you unlock the ability to shoot a gun. You know what I mean? Like, there's a way you make that progression feel more uh, earned in the story rather than, I mean, they like, could have said, like, oh, you know, here's a gun. Have you used one before? And she could have then said, oh, yeah, you know, my dad taught me and we went to the firing range. Because they've, they've said in cutscenes, like, you're a croft, Laura, you know how to do this. And it's like, well, how does she know how to do this? Because obviously in the previous games, we saw she had a manner, she had, a, like, a training course. This is what she did. And obviously this is kind of a reboot. We don't know that. Um, but I I am enjoying the I am enjoying the game. I I just kind of want to see her as sort of like a really strong woman in the same way that Horizon portrays Aloy as that. It's like she knows what the fuck she's doing and she doesn't need anyone to help her. She can do it on her own, and that's what that's what Tomb Raider and that's what Lara Croft is to me. From what I understand, Rise and uh, Shadow both do a better job with that. So I imagine you'll feel. Um, satisfied in that regard with those games. I think it's Shadow is the last one, and uh, one of my one of my closest friends um, swears by that game. Thinks it's like one of the best mm-hmm. open world games of its type. Um, so. That's that's where I'm trying to get to because I know that one plays in 4K 60 frames a second on the Xbox Series X, uh, but I've never played the other one, so I wanted to start at the beginning. Yeah. You need the story, um, and yeah, and I'll work my way up to it. All right, so uh, you also had Half Life Two on your list this week. Yeah, a bit of a strange one. (laughs) Well, my dad wanted to play it because I don't think he's ever played Half Life Two. So I said, "Well, I've got the orange box. I don't know if it works on the Xbox, so I can try for you if you want." So I put it in um, and it installed, which is weird because you can't buy it digitally. Um, And it's seemingly yeah, it's not on the store anymore. It's been delisted. Why? I don't know. Uh, and this game seems to be pretty expensive on eBay now. Um, That's so weird. It's I, the I only never way knew you that. Can, it's the only way you can play Portal on, on an Xbox, which is a little really bit strange want, as well. That would make it the only way to play it on consoles, right? Like, period. 
I guess so, yeah. Um, so I, I I went into Portal, but I've played Portal so many times that I knew all of the puzzles, and I was like, this is pointless, there's no point in me playing this game, I've, I've played it forever and ever. So I booted up Half-Life 2, been years since I've played that. Really great game, the one thing that irks me, and I know it's a, a kind of thing of its time is the is the loading screens and they're so quick on the series x but it's just like oh i'm walking and then all of a sudden i stop and it's like loading and the bar comes up and it's like we got so much better at hiding those things we don't need those anymore i i've been having a a really similar experience with uh with mass effect and not not that it's been annoying me but like you know it's been a really long time since i played mass effect the original but like I'm having those moments when you like replay a game or you play a remaster or whatever, where you're like, Oh, right. Like I remember this. I remember this as a thing. And, uh, there was like a, a, a loading screen, like a very small loading screen that would pop up every once in a while. Cause they have like a normal, you go to this, you know, it's a picture of the mass relay and there's a thing spinning and it's like, all right, cool. And none of those last longer than like five seconds, uh, on this it's version. Like, couldn't is- you have taken them out? Like, couldn't you have figured a way to get rid of them? I mean, that's the thing is usually they're so quick that like it literally the animation doesn't even have time to go. Sometimes it's like it'll like it'll pop up and then immediately go out like it's like a movie, like just transitioning scenes, you know, but like there's like this one frame of like the loading screen. But uh, there's this like that that it's whatever that doesn't really bother me. Um, but if they knew it was that quick, they should have just made it like a fade to black and fade back in because that would have looked like a movie transition then. It works that way more often than than not. Um, and, and in times where I know that there are supposed to be loading screens, uh, but it's funny because they're like the thing that you just mentioned, like this loading screen popping up, there's like this thing that'll happen in certain parts of the the map, right? Where like, uh, you say you're on a, you're on a level and like there's, you're on main section one and then there's like main section two and main section three. And there's like a loading screen between those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you get off like the elevator or whatever, sometimes there'll be like this little screen that pops up where it's like, oh, like loading. And then it like lets you go. And every single time that one of those screens pops up, like it happens. So it's like, boom, boom, and like, I can't even read what it says. <laughs> That's the thing where I'm like, yeah, you probably could have taken that out because it's like yeah. so like, you, I've literally never once been able to read it because of how fucking fast <laughs> the Xbox loads this game. <laughs> I wonder if on the older Xboxes it, it is like a a thing that needs to stick. Or is this even on Xbox One or is this just yeah. a Series X game? Yeah, no, it's on Xbox One. So maybe on the original Xbox One because it's like spinning the hard disk it is a little bit slower. But uh, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll patch them out or patch them so they last longer so you can actually read the text. Well, they're, they're, uh, they have a very f- funny moment like that. Remember we talked about how on, like, Spider-Man Remaster, like, you have to, like, toggle on the subway animation if you want to see it because mm-hmm. the loads are so fast? Um, there's something like that in this where in the uh, the Citadel, which is, like, the main uh, hub of the galaxy where all the, the different races, like, kind of come together and, like, that's where, like, their government is, um, there's these elevators that are like the the elevators in Mass Effect are like a famous way that they would like hide the loading screen. Like you sit in the elevators and the characters will have a conversation or like a news story will play on the radio or whatever. Every time you get into an elevator, except for the one that's on your ship, it has a press A to skip now because it doesn't need it to load. Uh, but it's like, okay. well, if you want to hear the dialogue, it's still here, you know, like. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, the Tomb Raider does the whole uh, trope of uh, 
crevices to get through or corridor like you know corridors to walk down and you're not really moving them they're like a programmed event and you know it's just loading the next section of the map and it's like okay you know this is we needed this at the time fair enough so and some games do it better than others right like uh I feel like the t- the Tomb Raider, like, oh, I'm crawling through a crevice and I'm in an adventure exploring works a lot better than, like, I remember dinging Final Fantasy VII for that, uh, the remake, like, last year or whatever, where, like, it would be, like, you walk up to a thing and there's, like, an X prompt you have to press and, like, Cloud sits there for a second and then he's, like, okay, I'll open the door. Oh, no, that's horrible. <laughs> and it's, like, no one opens a door like that square. Like, what d- you- just the cogs are wearing in his head. He's, like, how does this uh, work again? What is a handle? <laughs> got it got it cool cool i remember yeah that's why oh i like that's God. that's a game i'm really excited like i would love to replay that on playstation 5 just to see like how those play because it'll actually like mm-hmm. move like somebody opening a fucking door <laughs> but what, uh, one last thing i wanted to highlight on half-life 2 before we talk yeah. about mass effect was i didn't know this and it's seemingly on a few xbox uh 360 games that work in backwards compatible if you press the cheese slices and the burger button you there, there <laughs> are slices. <laughs> there are um there are xbox it says xbox one x settings for performance and graphics modes yep. which i had absolutely zero idea about some of them uh prioritize performance some of them prioritize graphics series x go in there set them to graphics you will get higher resolution. It will play in 1080p, and you, there's no hit on the frame rate because it's the Series X. I can it's imagine that year old the consoles. Game. Yeah, um, but I had no idea they were there, and they're just hidden away in the secret menu that you have to press to bring up the old Blades dialogue to find the Xbox One settings. Seeing you post those screenshots, I'm like, oh my god, the Blades! So fucking nostalgic. Yeah. That, that was such a good interface. It really, really was. It's. It's so funny because that's uh, something that, like, I don't really think about when you think about games preservation, right? Like, you think about, like, the games themselves. I kind of hope that we get to a place where, like, we have, like, old OSs uh, of, like, yeah. the 360, like, in a museum, you know? Because, like, I – that is, like – I think because that generation was so long and it, and it was also the yeah, generation I – mean, How many interfaces did the 360 go for? It was three solid three. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was there was like the pre blades that was like very like shapeless and and like it was kind of like the blades but not quite and then you mm-hmm. had like the blades golden era and then you had the interface that they basically you still use now um, yeah that evolved there was the, the one that was like it looked like cover flow yeah and it was just like a bunch of squares that like was like a three D animation um, that would then like move forwards and that was when they introduced the avatars. I'm yes. like, my avatar is still there. I've never touched it. It's my 360 yeah. avatar is still on, on there. It's totally separate from your Xbox One and Series X avatar. You know what's funny about it, too, is uh, my, my 360 avatar... It's, it's Unfortunately, it's on my old account. I like lost access to my old Microsoft account because it was connected to my 360, but I couldn't get into the email, and like Microsoft was just... They didn't really help me figure it out, unfortunately. Um, but my old one had a Spider-Man shirt, it's so like whenever you turn on my 360, it's like the say it's like this big goofy like mohawk and a and a fucking wow, Spider okay. shirt. I love it. <laughs> That's like the only time Spider Man's ever been on an Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, I guess I guess back in the Activision days, there were Spider Man games on Xbox, but yeah, it's weird to think about now. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, man, 
I, I that's one of those OSs that like I'm so nostalgic for because like I think that's what I was driving to of like how long mm-hmm. that generation was like how long uh, the Xbox was like my main media device. It was not only the thing I played most of my games on. Like I had a hard drive plugged into it, and that was like in Me the pre Netflix yeah. era. That was like how I would watch TV. You know, I didn't have like cable in my room anymore. Um, we had like a period where like we had all the boxes switched out, and my and I was like, ah, I don't need one, Dad. Forget it. I don't watch it anymore. And like I just was downloading everything on the internet, like from oh, I mean, that's Demonoid the, that was the way whatever. to go back then. It was like, oh, let's just go on Pirate Bay and, and download stuff, you know, before yeah. it became like really dodgy. Well, and, um, and I had a I had a Demonoid account, and it was like every day. Oh yeah, Demonoid was new, was and and it was like that again, like in the pre-streaming era, like so many shows had not been on TV or were not online anywhere, like for years. So it would be like mm-hmm. I was downloading like rips that somebody had made from you know like toon disney of recess or whatever to be like yes cool like i'm watching recess (laughs) real nostalgia oh yeah yeah i mean i i love watching old cartoons i love cartoons Mm -hmm. Um, i mean you you mentioned the nostalgia about the os stuff have you seen like this week xbox has been doing their 20 years of xbox stuff they're slowly bringing in like stuff to celebrate and that i don't know if you've said it to her but my Xbox Series X dashboard has that glowing orb from the original Xbox. How do you download that? Is that just on the it's store? It's there. It's just there. If you go to personalize dynamic backgrounds, it's it just says the original. And it's Perfect. just this glowing orb that sits in your background that was like the original I, dashboard. I saw you had done it and um, I was like, oh man, I got to go pay for that. I got to go figure that out. I just didn't do it yet. Um, I love doing that. I love like classic influence OSs. Like I had mm-hmm. the uh, PlayStation anniversary one on my PS4, and then eventually Me they had too. they put out one that was called Classic, and it was the PS2. Uh, so whenever you turn it on, it does the you know, and like it showed it. No way! I yeah, didn't know that. oh, that's oh so, so cool. awesome! I love love that. That's the I I don't really use my PS4 anymore, but that was that was the this the one I had on my PS4. Yeah, for, for a I, while. I told- I told Macaulay the uh, the little bit of trivia about how the towers on the PS2 when it booted up were the save blocks on your memory card, and their mind was just totally blown. They were like, "No, it's not." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it is. They're the save blocks. When you first get it, there's nothing there, and then it slowly builds over time." Love. Oh my god. Uh, I love all. It's like the city from Inception. You know, they just build yeah! towers and towers. Oh my god, you're right. It does look like that. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right, so. Let's jump into the main. Oh, uh, last thing. We also played some more Super Mario Party this week. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to both Yarno, a.k.a. Olaf, from the uh, community, and uh, Zade, a.k.a. Snackmite, uh, for coming and hanging out with us. It was a blast. Thanks to everybody who came in and, and Mario partied with us. We had a really good turnout for that stream, and chat was chat was very active. Um, it yeah. was a good time. And talking to Mario Party, I think everyone's going to be tuning in to watch a certain uh, match this week on Twitch with uh, Reggie joining in and playing uh, some some Mario Party. I can't remember who it's with, but it's, it's for charity. And uh, he seems to want to rope in Doug Bowser. And, um... That's awesome. That's so awesome. I didn't, I didn't hear about It's going to be that. so fun. Yeah, yeah. He like tagged uh, Doug Bowser and um, and Jeff Keighley and was like, you two joining us as well. Um, and just like trying to rack up the donations. In the, I, I have think to if it gets to 100,000, they're going to they're gonna join in. I I truly love Reggie. Uh, he Me he's too. one of those. I I love him so much. I think he's such a a likable guy. <laughs> uh, 
and like man what a what a impact he's had on the industry um good to see he's still out there still doing his thing still helping people uh so yeah go support reggie <laughs> we love reggie <laughs> all right so uh so mass effect uh, the fucking main event all right uh so i am eight hours in to my playthrough of mass effect one uh it unlocked at midnight on thursday and i immediately started playing of um, course i put in a couple more hours on uh friday night and then yesterday i played actually maybe i'm more than eight hours in now that i'm thinking about it that was that's the last timer on the clock i remember seeing but now that i think about it i think i played longer than that but uh i so if if you played mass effect before um or i guess even if you haven't right they're kind of um there's the intro period of the game it's like you go on your first mission and then you have this kind of opening portion on the citadel then you have three major missions that you and your team go through and then you have kind of like the end chunk of the game. So I'm like squarely in the the meat of it right now. That middle portion where you're working on your three major missions. Um, I went and completed Pharos, um, which again, if you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I have I have two left, and I I am right now. I started doing some like side quests and and like getting some additional resources and stuff um, before I go and and try to check off the second major mission box. Um, so I'm, I'm a good chunk of the way into the game. I'd say I'm probably, probably a little more than a third of the way um, into it. And I want to know, like, cause I picked this lingo up from, from the stream. You know, oh yeah. Are you playing as fem shep? <laughs> so, uh, I actually, um, if you, if you were on the stream, I, I was talking about this. I was very torn about if I wanted to play as, um, male shep or fem shep. Because in my original playthrough, I played as as uh, John, you know, the male shepherd, um, and I, you know, pretty much everybody agrees that uh, Fem Shep uh, Jennifer Hale was the voice actress who did um, who did her performance, and most people agree that she's gives the better performance. Um, so when I was deciding on it, I kind of was like stuck between these two oscillating feelings of like okay you know i haven't i've only played this game once i haven't played it in like 10 years right do i want to replay the way that i played the first time and chase this chase that nostalgia or do i want to play a different way this time and like see things i haven't seen before romance different characters like what what have you right and i ended up putting a poll up on twitter about it uh, like the three hours I had between the end of the stream mm-hmm. and when Mass Effect dropped. And uh, the vote ended up going for Mail Shep. But the the reason I actually made the decision was a comment from uh, one of our, our community members, uh, Trendy Brendy, um, longtime listener of the show, writes in all the time. And Brendy replied, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but more or less he said, I think that you should do Mail Shep because you can only chase the nostalgia for it once, right? Once you play it, that the coming home feeling, the nostalgia that you, that I want out of it is not going to be attainable, right? So he's like, so what you should do is replay as Mail Shep, make all your same decisions, get your warm fuzzies from the nostalgia, and then when you have, and this is a, a direct quote, when you have a Mass Effect-sized hole, 
in your gaming, um, you know, like time or, or schedule or whatever, then you do your, your FemShep run because mm-hmm. you know you want to play the game more than once. You've been, you know, so it's like, fuck it, right? Like, go for it. That's really smart, actually. That's a I, really, I, really smart take. I, I really thought it was. Like, once once he boiled it down like that, I was like, yeah, like, no brainer. Like, that makes it so easy. Because now I am 100% just making the same choices that I made. And I'm having that, like, just waves of nostalgia of, like, oh, like, this so takes me back. It feels like coming mm-hmm. home. It's like you know, getting the beats that I remember and, like, the things that I don't remember about it. It's like, oh, yes, yes, this. Like, that's so crazy. And, you know, uh, just having all those those moments that I wanted to have with it. And I'm glad I made that decision because I think now when I'm off coming off of it and I'm maybe flirting with the idea of playing it again or whatever, it's going to be so much easier to justify that because I have a very, very different experience waiting for me. Mm-hmm. But if someone like me, uh, who hasn't played the game before, wanted to go in and get the best experience from this, you'd recommend playing this female character first? Um, it's it's tough to say, I guess, because I think I think again, like from the voice acting perspective, yeah, that that seems to be like just agreed upon and I, I can't remember the name of the actor who played uh male shepherd but i i don't i don't think his performance is bad um but by all accounts jennifer's is just more emotional it's it's it's, it's it feels deeper so if that to you feels like um a, a worthwhile deciding factor then i'd say yeah um i think the other thing that i would consider is are there any romance options that you want to explore that are yeah. limited either way. Cause that's like how Bioware generally handles romance. Like the, I think, I think it was dragon age inquisition or two, maybe, maybe it's two. One of, one of the later dragon ages, I think every character is, is like pansexual. So it's like, you can pretty much like you can right, you see, can, that's what I wanted to know because I think that would be a real deciding factor for me is whether I can have those queer relationships because it's not, it's not something that's ever really explored much in video games, it, it, at least mainstream video games it isn't. And it's nice to see that representation. Yeah, so with Mass Effect, um, I'm trying to think because the the what I was saying was the way that Bioware usually handles it is characters have a canonical orientation you know so it's like whatever they're into if you're that then you're good you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um i don't think that there's an option for a queer relationship between two men that is that isn't like a, a side character like you have the option but it's not as like it's like a thing in like the, it's a character in the third game and like you because they're only in the third game like you don't have that ability to like carry that history with you through each game so i don't i don't really feel like there's a super compelling argument for that so i think like i think the better male romance options are if you play femchap probably cuz okay. you could romance like garrus and garrus is the fucking shit <laughs> he's like one of the best characters in the game 
Um, Maybe I'll play as uh, as Femtrap then, because I think that sounds like the best option, the best voice acting, the best romance options. Uh, I really do think that's probably the way way I'll go. Yeah. Um, The the more I hear about this game, the more I do want to play it. Yes, come on, Steve! You promise! And I'm so so curious as to uh, what changes are made in this game versus the original. Because I know you mentioned on stream they've made some quality of life improvements, brought some stuff in from the second and third games. I'm going to have to close my window. A wasp has just come in. <laughs> Did you take a second? <laughs> yeah, I fucking it, hate wasps. <laughs> <laughs> I'll vamp. Um, yeah, so on the, uh, on the subject of um, the changes... I think uh, it, it's it's everything I wanted it to be. Like I I talked about how I think it was yeah it was Cat Bailey uh, who's over at IGN now did an article that was talking about all of the kind of like changes that they had made for Mass Effect One specifically because I think you ask pretty much any Mass Effect fan. Um, the, I mean, don't get me wrong. There there are definitely diehards for one people who are like one's the best one's great um but i think a lot of mass effect fans agree that they don't love the way that it plays as much as the later ones and i think they did a really good job of kind of making it more um more in line with the gameplay of two and three a little bit without gutting all of the things that are unique about one because one is definitely unique in that it's more of an rpg it's a little bit more like min maxi with the numbers and the gear and like that kind of stuff. And in two, they kind of um, moonlight a lot of that and, and streamline it a lot more. So it's, it's a lot more of a, um, I don't know. You kind of get away from a lot of the like pen and papery numbery RPG stuff and let it be a little bit more of like an action story game. And like, there's still are stats and all that stuff, but it's just not as, it's not as forward. Um, but for me, those are never the things that bothered me about Mass Effect. It was like how obtuse certain things were within those systems. Like, uh, a great example is, um, each class has certain kinds of weapons that they're supposed to use. And whatever class you are, like you get certain abilities for those. Like the one that I use, like favors pistols and shotguns, right? So I should use pistols and shotguns. But in the original game, it would be like if you ever used the other weapons, it would be like if you had a sniper rifle, for example, right? You'd line up a shot perfectly, shoot it, and then it would just like it would move and then shoot. Um, because I was like, oh, your guy doesn't know how to shoot a, a, a sniper rifle well, so you can't shoot that. Um, and it was one of those things where people are like, yeah, but like my character's a war hero. Like they're like they have military like they would be able to line up a shot and shoot the gun. Like maybe they're not a sniper, but like they could shoot in a straight fucking line. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that, that, that felt a lot clunkier that they've kind of smoothed out a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. um, they also have, uh, a, um, I don't think you could do this in the original where, where you can auto, uh, place all of your points. So if you don't want to go through the trouble of leveling up your character and like, deciding which skills you're going to prefer or whatever you can kind of just turn all that on autopilot and just play the game um and there's also um 
a bit of a change to the the level progression. They they cut it in half. So like in the original, I think it was the max was 60, so you would get skill points more slowly. It took longer to build out your character. I remember that was like my big frustration with Mass Effect 1 was that like I was really enjoying the story, but I didn't like the gameplay very much. And part of that was that I didn't have any skills. So it was like it was just a run and gun cover shooter. And it wasn't until later in the game when I had like completed probably two of the major like mission arcs where I was able to start building out my biotic skills and everything. And I was like, oh, cool. Now I've got these powers and I can chain abilities together and like you get in the rhythm of like, now I feel strong. Now I feel like a badass. Now I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And they, instead of 60, they cut it down to 30, like 32 or whatever. So now, like I said, I'm, I finished the first of the three major missions in the middle of the game. And I already have maxed out some of my skills. I have, I'm like halfway through most of the trees. Like, I, I am so much further along progression-wise than I would be in the original version of the game. Um, so because of that, all the gameplay feels better. All the fights feel better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not a matter of, like, making the game easier, in my opinion. Because, like, it is easier, but it's, like, it's just that, like, the pacing's better now. Because you don't feel like you're treading water until the middle of the game where you're like, fuck, like, wh- if, if my character is so badass... That I've, you know, I'm a hero and, like, I've been chosen to go on this mission or whatever. Why the fuck can I fight, you know? And, like, why am I getting my clock cleaned all the time? Um, And, like, that was a big problem I remember in the original where, like, I remember, like, I always felt like my party was getting wiped. Like, it would always be, like, I'm in a fight and, oh, my sniper's dead. Yeah, that stuff just feels so unbalanced. I I think I would have got frustrated and probably fallen off of the game if that was the case. So I'm glad to hear they've they've smoothed that over. And I know the choices progress into Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. Does your skill tree follow you as well? Or is that like a reset of the level and you're learning all that again? Yeah, it's a reset of the level and everything each time. um, And they allow you to like change your... At least I think they do. I think they let you change your class and stuff between games if you want. Um, so there's not really like a ton of, of physical character progression that comes across. Um, but yeah, all of all of your dialogue decisions and everything, like those carry a lot of weight. Um, I, I think more than any other game in that regard, where like it's there's a true through line, you know? There are like minor decisions that you make in Mass Effect one that will come back in Mass Effect three. And there are major, major decisions that you make in Mass Effect 1 that will come back in Mass Effect 2 and 3. And some of them can really bite you in the fucking ass. <laughs> mm. That's that's interesting. I mean, I, I really do like the sound of that. I saw something online earlier that said if you just play Mass Effect 3, there's like an exclusive ending if you only play that game which is crazy to me. Like, why did they put that in? Like, surely if you're playing the third game, you've played number one and number two. I think I think uh, Mass Effect was in a weird place at three because Mass Effect one and two were, were popular. Um, but th- it was never, like, the blockbuster game. And I think, like, the fact that, like, there are so many people in my fucking Twitter mentions, granted, a lot of them are just young. Um, but who are like, I never played Mass Effect. I missed the boat on Mass Effect. I'm going to try it now. And so I, I, at three though, they had been ramping in popularity and they also had this new multiplayer mode that they pushed out. I think they were very much trying to get people of like, you heard about Mass Effect, come fucking play Mass Effect three. And if you don't want to go back and replay them, you can just pick up if you want, 
which would be so stupid, but I'm sure people did that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I know people have done that. My dad has just started playing Mass Effect 3 without playing any of the other games. He's very fucking weird. Why? Please tell he him He had the game on disc, and I don't know why, and I'm like, he's like, I'm going to try this and then see if I like it, and then I might get the Legendary Edition. And I'm like, what are you doing? You why are you starting the third one? Give your dad my phone number. I'll pay for the call. I'll pay for the overseas call. I want to talk to your dad. <laughs> I need 20 minutes on the phone with this man, and I will convince him to stop playing Mass Effect 3 and play Mass Effect 1. He doesn't even know what's happening at the beginning of the game. No, but he said he's enjoying it. He's like, oh, I'm into it now. You know, it's, it's, it's a good game. So, I mean, partially it's from you. Partially it's from my dad telling me, because I know my gaming tastes really align with my dad. I get a lot of my gaming taste from my dad from the games that he played and i watched him play when we were kids so it's it's uh i know it's going to be a game for me and i will i will pick it up i will pick it up. i just don't know if it's going to be like now can you please or in a, just, a few months can, can you please just pick it up now if you know you're going to play it can you please buy it right now while it's relevant and play it with me like you fucking told me you would please steve please i'm asking you as a friend i've asked so little of you during our friendship I'm asking you. I'm asking you now as a friend, as a co-host, as a professional courtesy to me. Fucking pick up Mass Effect and give it a shot. <laughs> Play through. Seriously. Do me a favor. Pick it up. Pick it up this week. Play through the the point at which uh, you are appointed a Spectre and you get to go on the first mission. Get to at least that far in the game, which is like the first, I don't know. I know I'm not going to get it this week. And why this week i do not have enough time to play games it's gonna be a very light week for me because of work commitments but steve i'll tell you what i'll do it next week you promise i promise all right on the next episode the episode after we'll talk about mass effect okay fine fine i'm I'm happy to agree to that that works i've committed now but i'm telling you right now if you come to me next week and you've got like four or five fucking games on your what I played this week list, I'm going to be really upset. All right. <laughs> so if you have, if it's you have be time, Tomb Raider, that's all I'm going to play. That's it. If you have time to play Tomb Raider, you have time to play Mass Effect. I know I'm into Tomb Raider now. You know, I'm there. It's all right. It's going to happen, Pete. I'm going to play it. Right. Just, you know, calm you down. It's going to happen. I've promised now, you know, when have I ever reneged on a promise? I've never, ever said I was going to play. Fire Anthem, and then didn't play it. Like, not once. Yeah, no. Same See, with Persona is, 5 Royal. This is my Royal. concern. All right, look, Steve. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just casually th- remind you, I've still got your Stardew Valley uh, Don't board you dare game. hold that hostage. So you better not lie to me, because then maybe I'll, oh, yeah, I sent it right now. I sent it. It's in the mail. And then that's a lie. And it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts when your friend lies to you. <laughs> <laughs> If I if I get it, you've got to post that. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> but you have to get through the beginning of the game. You can't buy it and not play it. You got to get through the first couple hours. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna throw fifty quid away. You know, I'm gonna play the game. Oh yeah, sure. Not like you've never done that before. Not like Fire Emblem that you bought and played I tried ten, it. Hey, ten I fucking gave that, minutes like... of, and then let it right, sit yeah, for eighteen enough. months. Fair <laughs> enough, but like I've played like 10 hours of that game now and i know it's not really for me that's fine though you 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 did it 
you did it. You tried. All right. Ten hours. That's that's a fair shake. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. I respect that. It was the 18 months in between buying it and giving it the fair shake that I was frustrated by. I can understand that. Anyway. <laughs> so Mass Effect. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to talk a lot more about Mass Effect in the next couple of weeks, and we have a lot more show to get through, so I don't want to belabor the point, but... <laughs> yeah, we're like an hour in, and we've only gone through what we're playing. We're going to have to blast through some of this. Yeah. <laughs> um... But long story short, uh, I, I'm i really loving my time with the game, and I think if you were excited uh, about it, but maybe on the fence, if you heard me talking about it or have heard me talk about Mass Effect over the years and you know want to give it a shot yourself or whatever, um, I, I really think this is the, the best way to play. Um, I think the graphical updates and everything that they've made are really good. Um, it, you know, there are ways in which it still looks like an old game. Some of the animations are are stiff compared to what you might see in a modern game. But um, I think for for it being a remaster, not a remake, like it looks about as good as it could. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy with that. Like I'm I'm stoked on it. And I know that I have so much love and nostalgia for Mass Effect, but um, I don't think that I don't think that that's um key to enjoying this experience i think that like it's being presented in a way and, and it's been modernized enough that um it's it's an experience that i think new players could come in and enjoy in 2021 so i hope you'll give it a shot uh if you're already playing it like i know some of you are uh make sure you're right in for next week's show uh we'll be talking more about it and um i'd love to hear some questions comments you know um anything that you guys are, are thinking or feeling about mass effect um let me know, because it's all I'm going to be playing or thinking about for most of this year. Uh, so I hope that you're interested in enjoying Mass Effect, because otherwise you're going to get fucking sick of me talking about it. I promise you that. All right, so let's jump into the news. Um, <clears throat> first up, we got the announcement of Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, which is coming uh, straight to Xbox Game Pass on uh, June tw- uh, 22nd. So... This is uh, also going to be available on PS4 and 5, and it uh, is also on PC, and it doesn't, it says Windows 10 PC, so it doesn't say Steam or, um, or, I think uh, it's gonna, I think it's coming to Steam. You think? It says Steam and Epic Games Store on the Dark Alliance website. Oh, okay. I'm looking at the Eurogamer article. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I was, I was going to say, I wonder if this is one of those one of the first games coming to the Microsoft store after that, that uh, announcement. Right? Oh, well, I mean, it could come there as well. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this was announced in like March. I've never heard of it. And if I'd have heard of this, I probably wouldn't have even given much thought to replaying the old one. Cause this looks fucking great. The trailer is, uh, is pretty fucking cool. And yeah, it, it, it definitely, I don't know. Like it, it has my attention. I'll tell you that it looks pretty sharp. Um, and I don't know. Like, very, very different to the original games. It's not like that isometric dungeon crawler. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a, a fair, like a third person action RPG game. Yeah. now. Uh, well, I'm into it. <laughs> we've got we've got dragons in there. We've got hack and slash. I'm looking forward to it. It's cool too because um, Baldur's Gate, uh, I think, technically takes place in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I might be wrong about that, but it, it does, yeah. Um, 
this at least and, and it could just be that it's been a while since i've played Baldur's Gate, but like there's some pretty iconic dungeons and dragons monsters like in this trailer um so mm. like I don't know, that's kind of cool. Like, that got a Like, the Beholder, me. that opens up. For, yeah. yeah. I mean, that one definitely was in the original Dark Alliance. I don't know if it was in the original Baldur's Gate. I don't think it was, but it was, it was in Dark Alliance. It's interesting. This actually isn't officially called Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I think it's just called Dungeons yeah, & Dragons Yeah, it's called Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. Dark Alliance, which is interesting. Whereas they, they tacked on the Baldur's Gate moniker to the original, I'm guessing, because people knew what Baldur's Gate was. Whereas now they don't necessarily need to because Dark Alliance has become its own thing. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting though. You'd think, why wouldn't they just call it Dungeons and Dragons back in the day? That's still a IP with more cachet, right? Yeah, possibly. And I know it caused some confusion for you because you thought that was Baldur's Gate when I was talking about, oh, I loved Baldur's Gate. And it was yeah. like a point yeah, of when you brought RPG. it up. I and you're literally. Like, what? Totally different. I had, <laughs> I had no idea that Dark Alliance. I thought Dark Alliance was just like the console version of it. You know, and it was like, oh, it's yeah. a little bit different, but it's the same game. Totally different games. I've ne- I've never touched the original Baldur's Gate, and like I thought I had for years. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's it's set within uh, uh, Icewind Dale, which is obviously that was another CRPG, and you it know, was yeah, great game. Uh, also another uh, Black Isle game. I was just gonna to say, like yeah, Obsidian Studio, yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, so this is really cool. I mean, I'm a little wary about it, if I'm being honest. The fact that, like, we don't know about it and haven't heard about it, and I am not familiar with, uh, Tuke, 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 I think is the name of the developer, Tuke Games, 2K. Yeah, I I don't think I'd heard of them. Never heard of them. And that's not Um, bad. Like, the the only game they have under their belt is Livelock, which I've not heard of. I mean... Eurogamer had a preview of it back in March. They said they played it. They really liked it. The only concern they had was it's no longer got local co-op. You have to play it online, uh, which is a bit of a shame because that would be how I would have played it because I like playing this, these kind of games with, with local co-op. You were just complaining um, about how the other one didn't have online co-op. Now we got an online co-op. You want to play local both, you play the you old know? one? I want both. I want both. I want to be able to like bring Macaulay along for the ride. That's how we played Diablo 3, um, which had its ninth birthday yesterday, which is mad to me. I feel so old. <laughs> oh, I hate that. That ruined my morning. That's awful. Um, fuck. Wow. Cool. Well, I'm 100. Uh, anyway, I'm excited for this game. Uh, I will play this with you if you want. Um, we should stream this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could rope it. And in. it's cheaper than the re-release, which is mad. No, it's not. It's £33.50 in the UK. Makes that re-release look pretty pricey now, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it feels like this game should cost more, right? Like, I don't it know. It really that's, should. It that's really odd. should cost more. Also, with the power of Xbox Game Pass, it'll be free, so... Well, that's even better, yeah. I mean, it's only like it's only forty dollars on PS Five, you know. So if you don't have a Xbox and it's cross platform, so you can play with anyone, which is great. Yeah. At launch, is like it up that. to four players? Yeah, four players cross play. Yeah. Um, so at maybe, launch, maybe we can rope two more people in to come and do a uh, bit of a do a bit of a like stream on it. That would be good. I guarantee we could rope in my uh, my buddy Relic Vampire. Um, Let's do it. He loves this type of game. So he would definitely stream that with us. We could do a little little co-stream action. Um, maybe we'll have to find a fourth. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm totally down. Uh, this this looks pretty cool. Uh, all right. So next up, 
is uh, not the biggest story this week, but it's definitely the one I think is the most interesting. Um, mm-hmm. There is a rumor that's been making the rounds uh, that um, the next Donkey Kong game is being developed by the Super Mario Odyssey team. Uh, and that, which is uh, Nintendo EPD, if if uh, you're a nerd and care about that, um, which so there, there's a few there's a few things here, right? So this uh, we're pulling from the Nintendo Life article that kind of is summing it all up. But if if you're interested in like where this came from and kind of the background behind it or whatever, um, the uh, content creator Lonely Goomba is a YouTuber, very active on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted. Um, and said, I heard an unlikely rumor that the Mario Odyssey team are working on a 3D Donkey Kong game. Uh, and then that was backed up by another leaker named Zippo who kind of had uh, chimed in and said that um, it's the Big Ape's 40th anniversary. And while I'm not sure how Nintendo is celebrating the occasion, there is a new 2D DK game being developed by EPD Tokyo. Retro is obviously busy with other things, so Nintendo has taken it upon themselves to bring DK back as an internal series. Don't expect the country moniker to return, as EPD Tokyo are not interested in making a sequel to games they didn't make. Diddy, Cranky, and the Kremlin crew should all be returning in this installment. It sounds like the game should be launching before the end of the year, and E3 announcement seems very likely. And then that was followed up by uh, the Donkey Kong fan site, DK Vine, who added some additional information. They said development of the new Donkey Kong game purportedly began around 2017 or 18 when Nintendo decided to bring Donkey Kong back internally for the first time since EAD's Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Although Jungle Beat was more of a stopgap than a permanent status quo. I've been led to believe that this is a new EPD team that has formed from other teams specifically for the purpose of creating Donkey Kong games. Sorry to disappoint, but I have no info on the 2D slash 2.5D slash versus 3D debate. Exactly what kind of game it has been has never been shared with me, except that it's a platformer of some sort. I've speculated that the absence of information from my sources might indicate that it's some sort of hybrid. Not exactly Donkey Kong Country, but not exactly a full 3D platformer either. But that's just a hypothesis, not an actual leak from my sources. It probably won't have the country branding as outside from some retro-tinged arcade memorabilia, Donkey Kong Country is the Donkey Kong brand now. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I I also want to bring something from back in January forward from our very own Pixel Par who posted a picture of a banana with a Miyamoto signature on the table, which which is likely a tease for a new Donkey Kong game as well. Um, so he's he's had something about a, a Donkey Kong game and it has been teasing as well. So uh, uh, it seems like the rumors are probably legit that we're getting a new Donkey Kong game this year, whether it is developed by the Super Mario team or whether it is a, a fresh team at EPD yeah. Tokyo I don't know yeah and I think that coinciding with the anniversary and everything it makes a lot of sense um, I think what's interesting to me is like where does the truth lie in this right because I, I think it's probably safe to say that we're getting a new Do- Donkey Kong game I think that with this much smoke there's usually fire right um, so that's that's cool on its face I like Donkey Kong a lot um, I'd be down for another 2D platformer, um, but I gotta say, I think I'm more interested in the idea of the Odyssey team doing um, like a spiritual successor, to, successor, excuse me, to Donkey Kong 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game is, I think, very divisive uh, now, right? I think it's a game that, like, in hindsight, there are a lot of problems with. 
but I think that the game itself, like, there are a lot of really cool ideas. The fact that it had, like, what, five playable characters is super unique and, and very interesting and cool. And I think the idea of the Odyssey team kind of taking that formula, boiling it down and, and reimagining it for the modern era, where it is like, hey, like, you can play as Donkey or Diddy or um, the other three. <laughs> and uh <laughs> cranky and i don't know who the other one is no no cranky's not in that one in 64 it's right okay it's chunky and lanky and then the, the one with the pigtails and she can fly like a helicopter it's not kitty it's not tiny is it tiny or dixie no it is tiny i think because dixie's the one with the ponytail from country mm-hmm. who's like diddy's brother or uh sister um Anyway. Which of those characters were developed by Rare, and which ones are like Nintendo characters? I think Lanky, Chunky, and Tiny might be Rare characters, but Nintendo owns all of Nintendo them. Nintendo owns them, yeah, they got those in the deal, right? Yeah. Um, so, the idea of a game that's like, hey, you can play as these five, or maybe you know, a different group of five, whatever, uh, or maybe it even is just Donkey and Diddy, and like we, we want to keep it simple. Um, but like having that Metroidvania thing of like, oh, I'm on this first world or I'm on this part of the island and, you know, I'm Donkey, but I found a thing I need Diddy for, so I need to go unlock Diddy and come back. And, you know, like, I I think I could see that evolving into something that would be really interesting in the modern era, like, that has that Odyssey kind of, like, collect-a-thon, like, explore a world, re-explore a world kind of vibe to it. Um, And I feel like being able to play as different characters would be a really strong incentive for you know, going and coming back and going and coming back rather than just... I wonder if you can actually play the other characters, though, or if it is just going to be Donkey Kong you play. Like, I know it says Diddy, Cranky, and the Kremlin crew should all be returning, but maybe they're just there as, you know, background characters. What if Diddy's, like, the Player 2 character as Cappy was to Super Mario and you can, like, co-op with it? I wouldn't hate that. I think that would be fine. Um, But across the board, I'm, I'm excited about this. Like, I think this is really cool news. I, I I really like the Donkey Kong franchise, and I feel like it is underserved. Like, he's a popular enough character. There are a lot of really high-quality games in the series. But I feel like the games have always, like... Maybe not always, but I think that since 64, the games have often felt ill-timed. Like, you had that weird period between 64 and you know, the the Donkey Kong Country Returns stuff that Retro did. Where it was, like, a lot of gimmick games. It's, like, Conga and, like, that other one that they were talking about, that like, these rhythm games and where these, like, these aren't really proper Donkey Kong games. They're just games using the IP. I feel like they didn't know what to do with him as a character. He became, like, a toad where it was, like, he's in that world of Mario. We kind of do stuff with him. Because I know he was pretty prominent in i think it was mario party 6 where they added the dk space and mm-hmm. he was like he was the gimmick of that game there was like you land on the dk space all the games are about bananas and collecting bananas for donkey kong and all of that yeah. stuff um he so he, he very much had like a bunch of yeah he had a bunch of like offshoot stuff prior to to six he was playable and then after that he's He's fallen off the face of the earth. He's no longer in uh, Mario Party. I think he's in the latest one. He's but in Super, prior to right? that, he wasn't in seven and eight either. Yeah, he was. He was like in four, five. You know, one, two, three, 
Um, but yeah, it wasn't in six and seven. Yeah, Maybe and it's just in eight. I don't know. It's just kind of felt like he's been like kind of like there hasn't been a lot of identity for the franchise because like they did like the Mario versus DK stuff too. And like, it's not like he's been gone. It's just, he's been kind of relegated to a side character, which is weird. Because oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like ca- supporting cast rather than, you know, main actor. And like, not even in the real games, which is the thing that's weird. Like, it's like, he's in like the side games, like he's in the Mario sports titles and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but he's his own character. He has his own franchise. He has his own supporting players, you know? Um, so like, and then you look at the return stuff, like those games were really critically acclaimed, but like they came out at Nintendo's worst point, you know, like they came out at the point where like there was the least interest in, in Nintendo software and hardware that I feel like there's ever been. Um, it was like in the waning days of the Wii and then it's been ported, you know, three times. It's like, yeah, game's almost 10 years old now though. It came out in 20, like 13 or 14 um so it's been a really long time since we've had a new donkey kong game so the idea that Mm -hmm. nintendo's like yeah like enough's enough we're gonna bring it back in house and we're gonna have a team that exists to make donkey kong games is really exciting and like as much as i think it would be cool to get another 2d game like i certainly won't complain if they're like hey we're gonna start putting out premium a tier triple a uh 2d platformers with donkey kong ip that's cool um i love platformers i'd be down for that but I think I would rather have them do a 3D game and like have it be like you I know. definitely would, yeah. It feels like I do definitely want an expansion of Bowser's Fury, but I feel like that's a good few years out. Um, Imagine that as a Donkey Kong experiment. game. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, like you just go from island to island. It's like completely open world. You're just exploring, collecting, going back, kind of a Metrovania style. Maybe you can get to different areas when they unlock, things like Maybe that. Maybe there's like multiple islands, so like each one is like a mini open world mm-hmm. and and you could like that that could be really cool. And that could play into the Metroidvania thing really well. Of like, oh here's the Diddy space, you gotta come back later, or like whatever. Yeah, you play with the different characters and that gives you the different uh, skills to get to those different areas and collect the things that you need in order to complete the game. That would be that would be really really cool actually. I hope it's real. I really do. I I yeah, feel me like too. I feel like there's a lot of potential in 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 that idea, but frankly, wherever it goes, I'm just happy to see Donkey Kong make a return. I feel like it's time for it's time for DK to 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 shine again, you know? And uh, the Switch is, like, the best place for it right now, you know? 100%, yeah. Any of their smaller franchises, like, you have, there's never been a better time to make something a thing than right now. (laughs) Well, when it's approaching 100 million units, yeah, I think it's a pretty good time to make games. Yep. And everybody's hungry for software right now. So you come out with, like, a big AAA Donkey Kong game, I think people will show up for it. I really do. Cool. All right. So a few more uh, little bits of of information about E3 have come out. Um, The first of which being that we've just got some kind of like administrative stuff kind of figured out, right? Like the online portal and app um, is going to be available. That will be like the key hub. There's going to be like specific hosted events. They'll have virtual booths. There'll be forums and like, you know, a bunch of different like interactive things on the the site and the all of the like actual broadcast stuff that, you know, people show up for the main event stuff. 
Um, we'll be like simulcast on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and you know, all the places you expect it. Uh, it's not it's not really anything too crazy, but it does kind of answer some of the question marks that we had. Um, the bigger piece is that uh, EA Play Live is confirmed to be returning uh, for July 21st. So interesting because, you know, obviously EA kind of pulled... <laughs> I say pulled out of E3, but they they pulled out of E3 a couple years ago, but they did the Devolver thing. We're like, we're going to do our own event right next door. Yeah, and... but like right next door, yeah. Same yeah. as Bethesda, they always did that. They could have like B3 or something. Oh, and then they then they eventually went with the 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 rest of the crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, so you know, good good news um to see th- this stuff come back and like to have kind of an idea of what the schedule is going to look like come summer um we're it's fast pretty approaching. exciting yeah it's really it's really exciting and and i think everyone's been waiting and hungry for battlefield 6 is reveal which i think jeff grubb was rumoring was going to be in may looks like it's been pushed to july possibly june for a teaser trailer because i know uh andy mcnamara formerly of game informer now like head of uh pr at ea was like tweeting something about like june is june rhymes with boom or something um so it looks like it also rhymes with time. doom oh yeah it does but you know that's not an ea game doom three <laughs> so nope 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 <laughs> i'm in love with the fact that ea are resurrecting the old shapes from their original logo the yeah. square the circle the pyramids back i'm so excited oh about God. it i really hope that 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 is like something they resurrect and it continues to be like we're we're going back to basics. We're becoming electronic arts again. We're no longer just EA. Oh, I would love that. I would love if at at EA uh, play they come out and they're like, "Hey, like, we get it, right? We're EA. We've sucked for a while, but you like Mass Effect, though, right? You liked Mass Effect Legendary, okay? Well, uh, just want to tell you, we're back, bitches." And they're like. Dragon Age Legendary Edition. They're like, we're fucking resurrecting fucking all of our dead IP. We're bringing back fucking Dungeon Keeper, and it's a real game, not a free to play game. Where it's it's we're bringing back we're bringing back fucking Dead Space, like Dead Space Legendary Edition, like you know whatever. Like, oh my god, that would be so fucking cool. That would be so cool if they were like, we're gonna acknowledge our history now. We're gonna bring back all these old games and try to make them work now. Um, cause like I don't know, like I feel like. I feel like a good, like... Because, like, Dead Space was another one of those games. Critical Darling, never sold that well. Like, oh, well, but, I, but not, I really do think, like, more sequels would have sold better, you know? I really I, do. I've, I've never played those games. That's another, like... I, I really want to do, neither. like, a, 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 th- a main topic one time on the show. It's just, like, holes in our gaming history. Write it down, we Steve. really should Write fill it down. in at some point. <laughs> Write it down. Here's what I'm going to tell... Here's what I'm going to tell you. Because you also wrote in the show notes, when are we doing our predictions for E3? That's an important question to answer. I can't answer it right now, but we'll, we'll think about it. So you write that, write that down. E3 predictions. Uh, what's the other one? The one you just said. Games we've missed. We'll do that. Yep. Big gaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to check in on our existing predictions. Write that one down. And then the other one I wanted to do is I still want to do a 
let's pull out the calendar and go through every single major release that's planned between now and and next year. That would be good after E3, hundred percent. Yeah, E3 I think, in July and that kind of manic era would be awesome. Yeah, and I think I think we could like you know use whatever we learned from E3 as like a jumping off point and be like, okay, cool. So let's look at all the games playing for the the rest of the year, all the games that we know that are supposed to come next year, and like talk about like our general hype level but also like mm-hmm. i'd love to do like metacritic predictions of like i think this game's gonna be you know nine out of ten i think this game's gonna 10. be an eight and i think we go through that and like let's place <laughs> okay. our bets and i think that would be a really fun one too that would be fun yeah all right cool so we got a lot planned for you get ready those are some hype main topics they're gonna be good all right so let's jump into the uh the next piece this is our last piece of news before we get into our main topic here um so, uh, Herman Holst, uh, who is the head of, of PlayStation, um, uh, and formerly of Gorilla, uh, had a interview with Wired this week, and um, we're not going to get into like too many of the specifics of the interview. It's more just kind of like some of the the bullet points that have been pulled from it that that I thought were really interesting to touch on. Um, so, uh, shout out to Nibble, uh, at Nibillion on, uh, Twitter for, for doing this nice little roundup of all the information for us. Uh, so the big, big thing, right, was that Herman Holst told Wired that there are 25 first party titles in development for PlayStation 5 and that quote, nearly half of them are new IP. That's exciting. That is is extremely exciting. And it, it's interesting to me because I'm like. How though? I mean, I, I guess a bunch of their studios have more than one team. So more than like, one team, and I don't know what development means. Does that mean like pre-production? We're in the concept planning phase. As I can't imagine, they're all like coding away and and actually in product full production. On right, this. right. You got to imagine that, like, like for example, right. We know Naughty Dog has a team that's working on like the Last of Us remake. We know that they're also working on the multiplayer game of you know last of us part mm-hmm. two which at this point i think is going to be spun off into its own thing uh we know that there's got to be an uncharted somewhere maybe i mean there was that project that we read about and I, I don't know if that got axed and it's gone now or if maybe naughty dog reabsorbed it or whatever but then there's, you also uh, nobody working on days gone too right but we do know that that bend is working on a, a new, another new ip yeah um or i think we know that they're working I, on their own project. But that, you're right. I actually don't know that it's a new IP. It might be. Yeah. But I would like to think it's Siphon Filter and they're resurrecting their old classic game. That would make a lot of sense. Um, I think that would be cool, too. Uh, why not, right? Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, you look at, like, Naughty Dog, for example, right? And we also just heard the rumor recently that, like, they have an outline for Last of Us Part 3 that they might not ever do but they're also probably working on whatever their new IP is. It's like if you count the new IP and those other two or three projects, you're looking at three to four games right there just from Naughty Dog, right? So like, okay, then you can kind of start putting it together of how that makes sense because it's also like Ratchet and Clank is probably one of those games. Spider-Man well, 2. Well, Insomniac is, you know, there's something going on there. They're probably working on two games, Insomniac. Well, yeah, because they have to be working on Ratchet Spider-Man. Ratchet and Clank's going gold. Yeah. So like, I bet you all that team is now going to shift over to the Spider-Man team and Spider-Man two will go into full development and they'll probably begin pre-pro on either the next ratchet and clank or maybe a new IP or, or whatever. Um, Resurrect sunset overdrive. Do it. Sony's just 
uh, trademarked it. Let's get Sunset Overdrive on PlayStation. I want a new one of those. I don't know that they'll do a new one, but I bet you we get a PlayStation 5, like, Ultimate Edition. I don't think they can, because Microsoft owns that game. Not anymore. They own the game, they don't own the franchise. Oh. That's an exclusive Xbox game that they also brought to PC. But it's owned by Microsoft. Okay. So unless Microsoft's willing to just be like, yeah, if I can have it, you know, give us something else in return, then fair enough. But or unless that was part of the deal and we just don't know that yet. Could have been. Yeah, absolutely could have been. Because like if, if Sony owns the IP, that makes me think they probably own that game now. You know? Because mm-hmm. that's usually how that works, right? Like, I, I'm thinking of like the Kingdoms of Amalur IP uh, that um, THQ Nordic bought, and then they had to buy the rights to the game as well i think but well i mean i've been reading jason's book it reminds me of some little rabbit in an epic mickey mickey game (laughs) that was really wanted to buy (laughs) that is one of the best anecdotes i just told that to somebody the other day of just like disney traded a real life sportscaster for a cartoon character and that is that's mad absolutely madness fucking insane like you know, Bob Iger, you can say a lot of nasty things about the guy for sure, but like I remember reading that, I was like, that's so fucking wild to me that Bob Iger just like held that in his back pocket for like five years, and he's like, I want the fucking rabbit for our video game. <laughs> anyway, uh, go check out my uh, review of Press Reset over on the YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, I I'm super excited by this uh, period. I love PlayStation's IP, and I want to see more in the games that we know, but also like. The fact that they have, like, nearly half, right? So probably, you know, I don't know, maybe, like, 10 to 15 range of of them being new IP is so exciting. Like, I feel kind of hungry for new IP now. Me too. Like, I was thinking about it, and I just really want some next-gen games. I went back and I watched the Unreal Engine 5 tech demo, and I was like... Fuck, I hope Epic turned this into a real game because they seem to do that with a lot of their tech demos. They did it yeah. with Infinity Blade for Unreal Engine 3 and it seems to be that's the way they go. And I was like, this looks great. And that's what prompted me to get Tomb Raider because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry for this this kind of game. So th- th- that tech demo, phenomenal if you haven't seen it. And the fact that it was running on a PS5 and they like do that bit where they like turn the triangles on. It's like, here's 10 billion triangles. It's not noise. These are all being rendered in real time. And I'm like, fuck these people are smart <laughs> they know what they're doing yeah it's wild <laughs> it's wild um and that's the thing right like i'm really excited for the next ratchet and clank i'm really excited for more horizon and more god of war and and more 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 right but i think part of why i was so attracted to horizon was because it was new and it felt new and it felt fresh and mm-hmm. i want to see more creative, new, weird stuff from PlayStation. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see where, where this, this news goes. And it makes me happy to be a, um, an early adopter of the platform. Uh, yeah, right. Rub it in. You know, some of us can't find one for love nor money. Yo, I, I, <laughs> I came real close to like subtweeting some petty fucking shit because you, I saw you and AJ... Uh, from Fanatics 4, both tweeting about not being able to get a PlayStation. And I was going to be like, oh, real fucking interesting how all of all of my friends were like, oh, I don't need a PlayStation 5 at launch. I don't even know why you're bothering to get one at launch. Thrashing There's no Clank. games. I can all right. play all those games on PS4. Who even cares? 
And I remember uh, AJ was like, "Yeah, I can't get the console when it actually drop when it actually launches in June because no nobody can get one." It's like, "Oh, that's interesting. Ooh. I got one. <laughs> I got one when they actually launched, uh, and now I'll be able to play that big game in June, and you'll all be looking over the fence." So, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm happy well, to have a PlayStation. I'm gonna sit and play Mass Effect 120 frames a second on my Xbox Series X because you know you can't do that on PlayStation. Yeah, it's fine. Guess what? That's where I have it. So that's what I'm doing. Oh, too. I, I know. I What's know, up, I baby? Platform <laughs> 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 <Five more> agnostic. <laughs> uh, so, there, like uh, you said before, there are some interesting little tidbits on like dual sense usage as well that I, I thought were mm-hmm. cool. Um, so here, here's a quote: uh, Later this year, Guerrilla Games will release Horizon Forbidden West, a sequel to you know Horizon Zero Dawn, of course, as we know. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the dual sense capabilities will allow special sauce well beyond fast travel and graphical fidelity. I love that they described it as <laughs> special sauce. It says, if you want to take a stealth approach to a combat situation and you dive into long grass, you can feel those long grass leaves. Uh, and then there was wow. another similar one. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. That was a different thing. Uh, but yeah, I I love the PlayStation 5 controller and when you play Astro's Playroom, you get a lot of that, that sense of like, oh, I can feel the sand beneath my feet. I can feel that this is metal. I can feel that whatever. And I'm so excited to see how that influences something like the stealth in Horizon, you know, which is such a core part of that game. And like, you can see how you'd be able to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. So cool. Interesting that we've had absolutely deadly squat about, uh, God of War, that's absolutely not coming this year. Anybody who thinks that game's coming in 2021 has set themselves up for a real fall. But I think Horizon will come. Uh, which is so exciting. That is that is ex- insane to me that it's like imminent that I could be playing that game like six months from now. It's like fucking nuts. Um, what? You got something? I want to play it, but I, you know, I just realized I'm going to have to boot up a PS4 with that controller. I absolutely fucking despise that the battery to... lasts for about two seconds, and I'm going to have to install it on a hard drive that spins at about two revolutions per minute. Three-hour um, load times no. because somebody uh, didn't want to get a PlayStation 5. Bought one for their sister like a fool. I did buy one from my sister, and then I, I thought, you know, I'll be able to get another one. These, these will be back in stock in no time. Unbelievable. No, nope. Yeah, no, you really screwed yourself. Uh, and then there was also a, another little bit from like uh, Ember Labs, which is this the team behind Kina uh, Bridge of Spirits, that apparently they're working already working on their next game, and it's going to um, really be able to take advantage of the PS5 uh, in a way that um, that Kina wasn't able to. So they said our groundwork was on the PS4, but looking at a game, looking at game two, focusing on taking advantage of the SSD and building mechanics and tools around that will be really fun. I know for sure we haven't really taken advantage of how actually fast it is. We were getting a lot of benefits of it being just out of the box better, but I think we can push it even more. And like that's the other really big thing that's exciting is to think about, you know, even a lot of the games we've seen so far are really PS4 games that just run better on PS5. And Ratchet and Clank will of course, you know, as well as Demon Souls before it are kind of the only examples we have of games that are really trying to take advantage of what the PS5 can do. And that's always the thing with these new consoles, right? Is when they're new and you get the new games, like you have those bells and whistles moments, but it's really like three to five years into the cycle where you're like, all right, 
now we know what we're doing. Now we can really like go to the main event stuff. It's like that. And I think for me on PS4, the moment was Uncharted 4, which I think was like three years into the cycle. And it was like, holy shit, this is nothing like the PS3 Uncharted. This is like next level. And then it went even further with um, The Last of Us 2, which obviously was pretty much the last game on that platform. I'm very excited to see what happens uh, pressing forward and when Unreal Engine 5 is actually in use and we see people properly doing ray tracing and we get these super fast loading times. Ratchet and Clank, as we said on uh, I think a couple of weeks ago when it was, there was that state of play, phenomenal looking game. I'm, I'm very excited to be able to play that at some point. Oh, yeah. Very much looking forward to it. I think my biggest... Uh concern with it right now is that i'm going to be in such a mass effect mode that i'm like oh shit like i'm gonna really have to choose um we'll, we'll see maybe i'll be done with my first round of mass effect by then because <laughs> i'm a psycho anyway uh we did have one uh piece of mail from the mail pot i wanted to pull out uh before we get into our main topic here and this one comes from uh one up mango uh mark from the team and, uh, and said, I'm almost a year late to the club, but I got to finish Coffee Talk. I'm glad this was the game that got me out of my single-player game drought, and I love the characters here. Uh, I don't know if you guys had talked about it before, but there's a spoiler, true ending spoiler, that you can unlock by replaying specific days and giving them drinks they need, not want. And there's uh, story DLC in development. So they have a screenshot here that, that Mark's uh, provided that says, Hello, coffee lovers. To keep, to keep you enjoying Coffee Talk, we brought you to... We brought to you small updates. Now you can see achievements you got inside the game. The Coffee Talk web comic series are now accessible inside the game. That's really cool. Uh, minor bug and animation fixes. And we're also happy to announce some good news. Russian translation is on the works. <laughs> on the work. Um, I think English is their second language, um, which is funny because Definitely I, is. there's no typos in the game, like at all. <laughs> but, but like, this is like a little bit, um, you know, broken English. But I, you know, I don't mean that with any kind of shade. Um, and then they said new story DLC exclamation point exclamation point is in the development phase. Thank you for playing. Stay, stay healthy and stay safe, everyone. Um, not much to say here, but, uh, if you're like a newer listener or whatever, Coffee Talk is an indie game that we played, um, I guess last year, no, two years ago now. Uh, it was 2019. Yeah. With, uh, uh, DJ, um, really loved Coffee Talk brought it to us and, and we all played the game did a bit of a game club on it you can see it over on youtube.com slash loot pots if you're interested there was a podcast as well where we kind of dived deep into into the game we loved it i never went back and played it again i'm kind of interested to see what this true ending is but i would absolutely have to look up what drinks they are um because that was again the my main issue with that game was figuring out what drinks to give them and you only really got two shots before it was like, oh, fine, whatever. I, I thought it was interesting because I'm pretty sure I got the true ending, but I played it so long ago that I, this message wasn't in the game. So either I didn't actually get the true ending and I missed this or this is new. Uh, but either way, um, I'm super excited by the prospect of DLC. Uh, I loved Coffee Talk. I would love to see more of Coffee Talk. I was very excited by the prospect of a sequel. Um, when we talked about it, you know, we really loved it. I think the gameplay is the problem. The game is really more of a, a visual novel um, than a game. because I mean, it is a game, but the gameplay is not good or fun. Um, but the story is excellent. The art is excellent. The music is fucking awesome. Like, 
it is a really, really good special game. And if you like uh, the you know story driven, choose your own adventure type game, um, like a Disco Elysium or something like that that I've been talking about recently, uh, Coffee Talk is is a really, really cool and special game. Um, and it's like set play set set in this like alternate version of our reality where it's like you're in this coffee shop in Oregon, but like all these mythical creatures are just <laughs> vampires, like aliens, werewolves, uh, yeah, you know, bizarre, elves. fantastic game though. Um, and it's like, but it's set in the modern era, so it's like you know, it's not like mystical and magical. It's very just like, oh yeah, cool. I'm like this werewolf hipster. I'm coming for a cup of coffee. Um, so yeah, it sounds weird. It's a great game. You should check it out. And I'd love to play some DLC. All right, so let's move into our main topic this week. Uh, there was a very, very interesting uh, bit of news this week where uh, Ubisoft made an announcement at a uh, investors meeting where they had said that essentially they were um, kind of prior- reprioritizing their their output and that they were going to focus less on single player AAA games and and try to focus more on uh like free to play games and in games that were yeah. you know focused more on on making money through uh microtransactions <laughs> microtransactions yeah. it, it was their financial boss uh Frederick Duguay I think is how he pronounces uh French Canadian name um so the company's focus on releasing 3 to 4 big budget games per year was no longer a proper indication of our value creation dynamics which is like the most <sighs> fucking obtuse way to say we want to make more money from other places like free to play shit love some word salad love some word salad from from a money man um yeah so th- this was kind of um in response to a previous statement that that they had made that their goal was to release three to four big triple a games every year and that was their, what they saw as the path to success for them and you know that um that obviously kind of made a lot of waves right like everybody had a big reaction to that um fans obviously but i thought the more interesting thing was that apparently uh the stockholders were not happy about this um i can imagine yeah which is Interesting. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense, right? Like, I think of this as a as a move that would like that stockholders would like. Um, well, I mean, uh, the the way you got to see it as is Ubisoft has been on to a winning formula for a long time, putting out an Assassin's Creed every year, a Far Cry every two years. They they know exactly what they're getting. This is kind of unknown territory for them and the fact that they specifically referenced a competitor and saw free to play as an additional way to experience some of these ips with call of duty as a good example of the model is interesting to me and kind of feels like they want to branch out and maybe that's why you know we saw that ubisoft original of um the the division game that's i think coming to mobile which will be free to play will have all of this stuff on takes their ip and kind of mixes up the formula a little bit so i can understand why there might be a little bit of pushback from um from investors there yeah because especially when you think that like there could be short-term losses in that right that like you are used to these injections of cash from selling an assassin's creed or whatever um that you might not see in the short term um because these kinds of games take longer to produce and cost more money to make usually uh, but they make money for longer right so 
Um, I guess I could understand how like a risk averse board might look at that as a gamble. Uh, but um, Ubisoft uh, later clarified kind of what this meant. Sean Lama from Ubisoft on Twitter uh, later clarified that this didn't mean that free-to-play games were going to replace AAA games. Um, they're saying that m- now like they, they see it as like an additional way to get into these IPs, and that was where that Call of Duty uh, example that you, you brought up there. And then Ubisoft further went on to, to clarify... Uh, its statement in in a statement to Eurogamer, um, where they said that they're not reducing their typical AAA output. Where they said our intention is to deliver a diverse lineup of games that players will love across all platforms. We are excited to be investing more in free to play experiences. However, we want to clarify this does not mean reducing our AAA offering. Our aim is to continue to deliver premium experiences to players such as Far Cry Six, Rainbow Six Quarantine. Skull and Bones, there's a bunch of games. While oh also expanding... As if you're releasing a game called Rainbow Six Quarantine. It's like, come on, that's not a great time. <laughs> um, while also expanding our free-to-play portfolio and strengthening our brand to reach even more players. So, th- um, I wanted to use this as a jumping-off point to, to kind of have a broader discussion, right? Uh, what I guess, to start, right? What do you make of this, Steve? Do you take uh, the statements that have been made at face value? Do you believe that Ubisoft isn't actually looking to make less uh, single-player AAA games, but rather to just make more other types of games? Um, Do you believe that statement? Do you think that this is kind of them doing damage control when people negatively reacted, and maybe they are now rethinking some of those plans? Um, And do you think that this is at all uh, a bastion of things to come at all, right? We've, we've over the years, had this kind of conversation ebb and flow about what is the future of single-player games when multiplayer games with microtransactions are, are more profitable for longer. Um, and we've kind of seen that conversation flare up and die down a few times now, but it feels like we're kind of ramping back up to it again here of like, is this the death of single-player AAA games, right? W- where do you feel like we're at? in regard to all of those things. I mean, I feel like a, a bunch of studios seem to be taking this approach. Activision specifically, as a, as a publisher, definitely seems to be. I mean, they've checked everyone on Call of Duty Warzone, including Toys for Bob, which just makes absolutely zero sense from Rip. an outside onlooker. Um, I mean, I, I do kind of take Ubisoft at face value. I, I Part of me thinks that this would be um, potentially a solution to longer development cycles. The the games are getting bigger, the development costs are getting larger. We've already seen Far Cry 6 delayed twice, seemingly indefinitely. Skull and Bones has now been pushed back to 2022. Who knows if that's ever going to happen. That game's been in development for like six years, I think. <laughs> yes, for a very, very long time. And to get these new franchises off the ground, um, like Skull and Bones, takes a long time. It's it's okay if you've got this like uh, cycle of we can pump out a new Assassin's Creed every two years, which is which is great. Um, but I I, I kind of think that the solution to kind of plugging that financial gap would be these free to play games, and Ubisoft seems to be the one of the big ones that doesn't have one. You know, you look at EA; they've got um, 
the one from Respawn. Uh, I can't remember what, what the name of it is. Um, um, Apex Legends. Apex Legends, yeah. Um, you look at uh, Activision, they've got Call of Duty Warzone. Ubisoft is one of the big publishers that doesn't really have this huge free-to-play game like those other publishers. They've got Brawlhalla, but I don't think that has the same impact as uh, a, an Apex Legends or a, a Call of Duty. And like they also have a lot of successful multiplayer games. You know, um, some of which people don't really think of. Like a lot of people think of For Honor as being a game that like came and went, but it actually has a really big community that's still supporting it. Um, and like same with like you know the, the Tom Clancy stuff that they do, like your Rainbow Six Sieges or whatever, right? Like, yeah, why not make that that multiplayer angle on it as a free to play? Right, they're already trying to ex- explore that with the Division and Heartlands. I'd like to see them do that on console because I, I have zero interest in playing that game on mobile. Right. Yeah. Same. And and I, I I I think that that's the interesting thing. Like I I actually agree with you. I do believe what Ubisoft's saying. I feel like this was more of a um a misunderstanding than it is like a restructuring or them like lying or trying to cover their their tracks or whatever. Because I think specifically when you make the Warzone example, I think you can immediately see how something like this makes sense, right? Because um, if you don't play Warzone, like I don't play Warzone, but um, a couple of the people that kind of funny do. And I, I listen to their podcasts a lot, so I have a good idea of how it works. And, you know, the model for Warzone, right, is you release the next big AAA Call of Duty, and a bunch of that content is used in Warzone, and you have an incentive to play the big new game because mm-hmm. if you play, you know, whatever the new Call of Duty is, right, you're able to level up your weapons and your character in that game and then take that progress over to Warzone. So like if you play Warzone and you're like a big Warzone player and there's like this specific gun that you really like and you want to every single time that you drop into the Warzone, you want to have that gun, you want it leveled up, you want it to be the best thing that it can be, you have the incentive to go buy the big $60, now $70 AAA brand new game and play it and engage with it so that you have the best experience in Warzone, which is the free-to-play game that you're playing all the time in between releases. You could see how they could do that with a with a, um, a Rainbow Six Siege or even a Far Cry, right? Um, rather than like having like the 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 DLC uh, plan that they had for like Far Cry Five, where it's like you effectively need to develop a second Far Cry Five game and sell it to people over the course of a year or whatever. Like maybe you make a free-to-play competitive far cry game or something like that you know whatever right like i don't know i'm just spitballing but like maybe well, you... got a bunch of franchises like that they could do it with and assassin's creed makes so much sense mm-hmm. to to have some kind of you know you're assassinating each other makes a lot of sense why yep. why not do something and there like was multiplayer that? in assassin's creed back in the day if you'll recall right so like maybe you you bring back the assassin's creed 2 multiplayer modes but you make it a free-to-play game um, you you can see how that would like, work. Look at that, look at that from a development schedule uh, cycle as well. For Call of Duty, that you've just reused a bunch of assets that you've spent time and money and manpower um, to develop for one game that's no longer just restricted to one game. You you're bringing it over to your free to play game where people are pumping cash in for the cosmetic upgrades and all sorts of stuff. It makes so much sense to me to do this. Um, and I was worried for a while about the future of AAA games, but I think the the offerings from Sony 
and the kind of drive from EA to get back to this single player stuff lately. We, you know, we've already discussed that Mass Effect's back. We kind of feel like there's going to be a play from EA to stick to single player. I mean, look, uh, at, I, I, look at how it, successful it, uh, Jedi was. Fallen yeah, Lord. it gives me a it gives me a lot of hope, and and that's from the same studio that has done this massive free to play um, shooter. Yep. So uh, you know, I I feel like you can do both things. I think you can too, and and, and I think um, in terms of like the future of what single player AAA games look like, I think I'm confident about it um, for a number of reasons because I think there are a lot of studios who have figured out how to do it and make money and and make it work. Um, and then you do have like the console stakeholders, your PlayStations and your Xboxes, who you know um, can afford to produce those games as marquee experiences that draw you in the door for their, you know, their hardware. Right. Um, that said, I I wanted to you know pull a pin back out of the PlayStation conversation. Right. We talked about how PlayStation has these twenty five uh, games in development, and I think part of that strategy is going to be you know, I guess part, what I mean by that is part of the future of like the successful AAA single player strategy is to find ways to get more money out of those assets that you develop. Um, and, and I think that there are a few ways you do that, right? There's either this like free to play companion game that you can make like a, a Call of Duty or we we maybe see some of these studios uh, adopt what PlayStation has done with um, with Spider-Man and, and Miles Morales or Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy where it's like, you know, yeah, like big AAA games take a long time to develop. They take years to develop. You spend all this time and money making an engine, building assets and everything, and then you basically throw it all out and start over again. And, you know, and, and maybe you build on what you learned and, and yada, 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 you know, but like basically you're starting fresh again all over. And the idea of like, okay, well, we're not going to do that anymore. That now the norm is we have our Horizon Forbidden West. That's the big Horizon 2. That is, here's all the new mechanics. Here's all the changes we made to the engine. Here's the new big story. And then a year or two later, ah, here's Horizon, you know, I don't know, Undiscovered West, whatever fucking thing. And it's like, Ah, it's the same thing, but it's a side story, and it's... And I way prefer that to what the plan used to be, which was DLC. Because I always fell off, I never wanted to go back, I forgot where my save was, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know where I was. When you're starting fresh with a new story, it, you know, you have that, like, refresher of the controls, I way prefer that. I loved Uncharted Lost Legacy, um, and, and from... All accounts, it seems that Spider-Man Miles Morales was an absolute hit. So I I I, I really think that strategy. Yeah, a a bunch of people did. Probably because of that smaller, like, we've taken out all the crud and the stuff that really was, like, padding it out. You can learn. I I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think the idea of, like, marrying those two strategies of, like, some games don't translate to a multiplayer mode, right? Cool. So we'll make a new campaign that's half as long and it's twenty dollars cheaper. Well, and seemingly, I don't, I don't even necessarily think it needs to be cheaper. Look at how successful Resident Evil Village has been, and that game's like eight, ten hours long as a triple A sixty dollar game that comes with that multiplayer Resident Evil. I think it's called Reverse or whatever. Sure. 
Um, I, I think people would feel some kind of way about that, though. Like, I think if I if I pay for Spider-Man Two, and that's and it's a, the same size as Miles Morales, even though it's seventy dollars instead of fifty. Yeah, I don't think that feels good. Um, so I think I think that's kind of I think the move, right? Like you have the it's like Pokemon was doing that for a long time, right? Where it would be like, ah, the new generation starts, and that's the the big game, and then we do mm-hmm. the re, then we do the remake Ultra. one. Two years, right? Yeah, uh, okay. We bells and whistles. It's better. It's shorter. It's whatever. Well, and Persona Five Royal has done the same thing. A bunch and, of and, games are doing that. And but I, think, I don't necessarily think I want to replay them. You can also see that with um, the Final Fantasy game. Um, I can't remember what the bloody moniker on that is. Final Fantasy Seven remake. No, it's Final Fantasy Seven remake. Oh, the new one. Like, it's got some other title on it, like Intro something. And that's the thing, though, right? Is like I, I. We brought up like the Persona example and like those kinds of experiences and like not that there's something wrong with that. I think that that's cool. I would rather them do this though. I would rather them be like, okay, we're going to take those assets and make something new that's still in that engine and still in that style. And yeah, it's not it's not Spider-Man 3. It's not the next step. It's not the next jump. But it's another story in that world with those tools that you know you love and you want to see more of. Gives you opportunity to explore like side characters or supporting cast like... I just feel like there's so much you can do with that. Um, whether it is like the Call of Duty model where you're like, cool, we'll, we'll pull, pump all those assets into a, a related free-to-play multiplayer experience that isn't this packaged-in bullshit that you know a team had to crunch to get made and people play mm-hmm. it for six months and then it dies. It's a breathing thing that keeps evolving, but you still get this good, high-quality AAA experience like for a single-player thing. I think that's the best of both worlds. And then if you do these kind of spin-off stories, like, yeah, we're just getting more high-quality AAA games faster rather than the team spending all this time making DLC that nobody's going to touch. Yeah, and it, it makes me excited. You know, we've come a long way from the consoles are dead, this is the final generation, you know, everyone's moving to mobile and social games, to now it feels like we're having a bit of a renaissance with single, great single-player experiences, and it, and it makes been. me really excited for the future. Like, the last few years, like, you think about, like, what are the hottest games of the last couple of years? They're mostly single-player games, yeah. you know? Like, obviously, there's your Fortnites. They're, like, not to say that multiplayer isn't a, a juggernaut, because it is, but, like, when you think, like, what's the game of the year the last couple of years? It's, it's single-player games. Mostly single-player. Oh, yeah, even from Indies, like, you know, Hades was, like, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I that's exciting. Like I like that it feels like we're finding ways to experiment with like the price point. We're finding ways to kind of um, recognize that there's ways to get more value out of the assets that you develop and the work that you put in. And also, like this model, I think could potentially help maybe alleviate layoffs and stuff because like you mm-hmm. finish the Call of Duty. And then a lot of times you lay off a bunch of the people while you work on the script for the next one, right? Or whatever. Um, and the idea that you could be like, okay, cool. Now we could like push all the, all the developers who are, you know, like just the, the people that like are on the ground fucking making the game once pre-pro's done. Oh, cool. Shift them all over to Warzone for a year or two. They can work on Warzone and keep their job. And then we come back for the next guy, you know? And maybe I'm being naive. Maybe it, it's not that clean, but... You could see how there being a, another side game that you're constantly keeping going or being able to shift right from Spider-Man into a Miles Morales or whatever um, could be a great way to, to keep people working and, and make sure we get more content sooner, but also that there's not this 
big ramp up and then big crash down in terms of like the hiring, which is so normal, you know, like having another mm-hmm. project to shift people right off to. It's, that's better for the studio, better for the culture of the studio. So, yeah, I'm with you. I feel pretty bullish. I feel like the future looks pretty bright right now for for single player AAA games. And, and I'm excited to see how some of these strategies that we've seen kind of crop up over the last couple of years um, develop. And and you know do do companies besides Sony and Activision you know double down on these strategies like it seems like Ubisoft wants to, uh, and and kind of find their own way to take advantage of those opportunities and and find their own ways to um to get more bang for their buck out of their development dollar you know. So seems like an exciting uh, an exciting time for us right now, uh, uh between uh you know. The ramp up of the PlayStation and the Xbox side of things, you know. Hopefully, we'll be hearing some more from Nintendo soon. Um, yeah, definitely will. I mean, it's less than a month till E3, and we know they're there, so hundred percent going to hear something. There's nothing quite like an E3 at the start of a new console generation. Oh, it's the, great. The last E3 of a generation is always like, all right, cool. Like this is all great, but you know what we really want. And now it's this year where it's like you you feel like. Everybody's going to come out swinging. They're going to show us their some tease, some new IP, talk about what comes next, and you know I'm so happy to be playing Mass Effect right now and and be playing this old thing that takes me back to a period where where I was really stoked about what was going on in AAA games, but I'm also really really excited to to start having those conversations about what comes next. Um, so yeah, let's see where we go. Uh, Great episode this week, Steve. Good job. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've got a great day ahead of you at the beach. I really do. I'm excited. Uh, so I hope that all of you listening have a great day ahead of you uh, when you're listening to this. Sorry, it's a Monday. Um, I, right now, uh, when you're listening to this in the future, I'm sitting quietly playing Mass Effect all day after I went to the DMV. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's going to be a good one for me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you have been playing Mass Effect this week, remember to write in uh, for next week's show where we'll be answering some more questions. Uh, everybody go tweet at Steve. That's Steve2UK228 two, two, or 228UK? Which one two, is it? 228UK. Got it. I, never... I don't know that I want to tell you because you're going to get people to, to moan at me. Everybody Mass go. Effect, aren't you? Look, here's the thing. This week, we leave Steve alone, right? He promised by next week. He'll get the game. So this week, we leave him alone. But next week, if he doesn't, if he doesn't come through, I want you to go tweet at Steve and be and just you know hashtag Steve mm. lied, Pete cried. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I preferred hashtag Steve for Bank Show, but you know, I'm just saying. I'll bring back Steve for Big Show if you stop lying to me. <laughs> well, you're holding my Stardew Valley game hostage, so I'm absolutely gonna pick up Mass Effect. All right, good. I thought you were going to be like, I don't negotiate with terrorists. So I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, if you've got Mass Effect questions or comments or whatever, write in for next week. I'd love to hear from you. Um, And yeah, you know, go check out all the content. We've got some good stuff all around. Um, I'm not sure what we'll be streaming this week. We maybe, maybe we'll stream some Mass Effect. That might be fun. Uh, We might be back with some more Super Mario Party. If you have an idea what you'd like us to stream. Sorry? Awesome hit, man. That's true, too. I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, so if any of those sound good to you, make sure you're right in and let us know what you'd like to see, and uh, we'll play it. And then, of course, you know, write in all the other ways that I mentioned before. We'd love to hear from you. 
And uh, yeah, head over to the Patreon. Go check out this week's After Dark. Um, I don't remember what we talked about too much, but it was a good episode. I remember that much. Uh, so, so go check that out. Show your support. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time for another episode of the podcast. Stay safe. Stay sane, everybody. Have a good week. Go have sex with some aliens. <laughs>